I tell them the most important item that you can put in that box is your prayers. What we would ask you to do is to pray for us as this program carries on. Operation Christmas Child is founded in prayer. Father, we come to you today. We come in the name of Jesus. Pray for Operation Christmas Child. In the name of Jesus, we We need prayer in every step of the process of Operation Christmas Child. Prayer is the most integral part. God's hand is on those shoeboxes. We just pray for every place where shoeboxes will be distributed. We want the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. It's not by might, it is not by power, it is by the Spirit of God. When the kid opened the shoebox and received lots of bandages, and the kid was the happiest kid in the world because he was a hemophilic, so he needed to put a bandage each day when he cut the skin. Who would have known that that kid needed that? Only God that put in the family's heart to prepare that shoebox filled with bandages. We've seen so much being accomplished because of prayer. Prayer is everything. Everything is moving in our region because, because of prayer. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He answers above and beyond anything that we could ever think, ask, or imagine. I pray for their minds that they may understand to learn and to make Jesus their friend. That's my prayer. Pray with confidence because you know God hears you and God will answer and these little children are gonna hear about Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. If we understand the power of prayer and what it can do, we can bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. Hello, Gulf to Lake Church, family and friends, Pastor Lloyd here. As you're already figuring out, I'm not here today. Uh, I'm making the announcements on uh, Wednesday, Wednesday morning. And I uh, just want to share with you that uh, I'm not sick. I'm not hurting. Uh, this is my normal time to get away. I try to do that about two or three times a year. And I only do it like three days at a time because I'm not good at week-long vacations. So um, you're in good hands today. Pastor Steve is going to be bringing you a great message and uh, we'll be back next week starting a new series but if you are a guest of ours maybe your first time please fill out the registration on your bulletin and then rip that off and drop it in the offering plate we really do appreciate having that um, the other thing is by way of announcements please read the bulletin but also to let you know some special things the membership class I think it says ownership in your bulletin and the baptism I think we've got over 20 people lined up for baptism already please look at those dates and then also the um, advertisement that we put in there last week for music and worship ministry praying that God will touch the hearts of people that he's gifted in that area and that they'll come on board and be a great part of that tremendous ministry that we've always had at Gulf to Lake Church. All right, the other thing is, in your bulletin, you have an insert for Operation Christmas Child, and we invite you to please read that. We, we, I don't know, read all the details. It tells you how many we served last year. We always, of course, like to do better, but you can read that. If you have any other questions, in the foyer there will be a table, and uh, I think Sandy and Gwen will be out there to answer any questions that you may have. 
but you can read all this. You're going to, you've seen a, a video uh, about it, but an excellent ministry of reaching kids for Jesus. It's not just about giving them stuff. It's giving them stuff and they listen and know that we care and love them for Jesus Christ. All right. Hope you have a great day today. Enjoy as I'm going to enjoy, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. That's pitiful, isn't it? That he's at the ocean while we're stuck here worshiping at Gulf Lake Church. Oh, <laughs> new song coming up. We got a swimming pool. I mean, you know. just be tears falling down my face and this hurt would just be hurt with no healing on the way thank, thank you Jesus, Jesus. heaven changes everything a goodbye will be goodbye we know I'll see you again and when this life is over that would simply be the end thank you
everything for us here. Thank you, Jesus. Good song, huh? It's a Big Daddy Weave song.
Give him some praise, church, for how wonderful he is. Father, we're grateful this morning. You never give up on us, Lord. We might give up on ourselves, Jesus, but you will never give up on us, Lord. And all we have to do is turn to you and say, Father, forgive me, I know I need you, and he is right there. Turn around, go the other way. So, Lord, I'm grateful. I mess up a lot. I'm so glad, Father, that you forgive me, and you convict me, and you show me when I'm wrong. <laughs> Because I won't probably think I'm wrong in my humanness, Father. So show me when I'm wrong so that I can come running to you as you run to me. Jesus, we're grateful for this time. You bless us so much in this life. Roof over our head. Bread on the table. People that love us. Children. Father, you're so good to us. So we give back to you. Just a small portion of what you bless us with, Lord. And we do it with a humble, loving heart for you, Jesus. So we ask your acceptance of that this morning. In your name we pray, amen. I want you to remember that God, God's created everything you see. He breathed it into existence. Remember when his people were caught up in slavery? He rescued them. What he did was he parted the sea and he made a way for them and then he delivered their enemies to them and he unlocks wounds and he provides water from a rock and he provides manna from heaven and he brought down the walls of Jericho. He froze the sun allowing victory. He's toppled giants with tiny stones. He's brought fire from heaven. He shut the mouths of lions. He preserved life in the belly of a well. He's fed thousands with a few loaves. He gives the weak strength. He heals the sick. He's made the blind see, the deaf ear, the mute speak, the lame walk, and he's overcome evil, and he's made a way through death for you and me by the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, that we will live with him forever. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. What are we afraid of? His resume is flawless. He controls everything. And he loves you. And he loves you. Woo! Let's stand and give God glory. Amen? That, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? You know, when I look for these videos and stuff, I, sometimes they just hit me here. That one hit me here. <laughs> Powerful stuff. I'll sing with me as we sing about fear just a little bit. Every anxious thought that steals my breath it's a heavy weight upon my chest as i lie awake and wonder what the future holds help me to remember that you're in control you're my courage when i worry in the dead of night you're my strength
together celebrate your goodness thank you God that we don't have a reason to fear that you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it to good that no weapon formed against us will prosper and that when the enemy he comes in like a flood you raise up a standard against it because greater is he capital big great large h he who is in me than lowercase tiny minuscule h he who is in the world Thank you for living in us and working in us and allowing us to be here this morning with you and with each other. Yeah. Be with Steve as he brings this message this morning. Help it to encourage us, Lord. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Hey, you did good. Second time in a row. Prayed just long enough. I told him before service, I said, make sure you pray long enough. I got a lot of wires to unhook from. So, <laughs> well, good morning. You guys are awake. You guys had enough coffee this morning. I got up this morning early and got my two Mountain Dews in. Diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I need to kind of preface some things. Um, so we're jumping into part five. Say, wait, wait, where's part one through four? Well, over the last two years, I've been preaching uh, one sermon at a time, and uh so uh, if you uh, don't remember what I preached back in January, I'm going to give you a little bit of a review. <laughs> Listen, I can't even remember what I've said last week, so I'm going to make sure that we all are on the same page. Uh, back when we first started, we said, you know, about who our bosses, we said there's always emotions com competing for our contr control over our life. And we looked at what Jesus said, and Jesus said that it's not, you know, it's not what comes out of our, of our mouth that defiles us, actually what's in the heart. And out of the heart comes evil things, murder, slander, lies, all these different things. And so we start talking about several different things that defile us and that can control us, these emotions that come right on out of us. And the first thing we said, if you look in your notes, it says guilty. Uh, guilt, that is what we, uh, we looked at first. We said guilty, uh, but not condemned. The second thing we looked at was envy. 
We said we look to others for inspiration, not imitation. And then we said anger, and it's not a who, but a what. And some of you guys remember that was the one in January. Y'all remember that one? I don't, but y'all do, I'm sure, right? So, um, so when we, we, um, we started looking at those things, and those are the things that kind of throw us off balance. Those are the things that kind of throw us off balance. And today, we're going to be looking at the word fear. Now, we'll go ahead and kind of do a little bit of introduction here because, you know, um, this word can go with a lot of different things. Worry is a form of fear. Anxiety is a form of fear. And for some of you guys, uh, fear has never been the boss of you. In fact, some of your friends or maybe the ones closest to you are like, you could use a little bit more fear in your life. Because, uh, um, you know, you're just reckless and you, don't, you should worry a little bit more. You're, you're uh, optimistic. You blaze your own trail. Uh, but there's an element of fear and worry that plagues a lot of us. And we're going to talk about those things. And it kind of impacts our relationships in some ways in specific environments. It's easy for us um, to be controlled by that emotion. And so fear uh, robs us from opportunities. It will interfere with relationships. It will impact how we parent. It will impact our marriage. It will keep us up at night. And the interesting part about fear is it's not always a bad thing. You know, I have a fear of, you know, fire. You know, I don't like to get too close to fire. I like to play with it as a child. I had too many close calls, you know. Um, you know, the stupid things that you do as a kid, I almost caught my whole house on fire because I thought it'd be a great idea to see how, how fast gasoline and pine straws Catch, can I tell you really quickly? <laughs> Sorry, mom. I know she's watching. The interesting part about fear, though, it is the, the fear is, is, it is a byproduct of actually something that we, we take for granted sometimes because fear is a byproduct of our ability to accumulate knowledge and project, project into the future. It's what allows us to fear. And the best part about fear that makes us human is that we're able to collect information, pass it on from generation to generation. That information is used so, we can, so it builds the base so we can make progress in our future. And, and here we are today because we are accumulated some knowledge about how to do things or maybe not how to do things um, based on our ability. And our ability underscores fear to allows us to imagine without the ability to fear or project, um, we would not be able to do a much imagination. It allows us to be creative. It would allow us to kind of tell, you know, based on past experiences, how things might turn up. And, you know, without it, it would be hard for you to say, I can't wait. Or you may even say, you know, that most of us will probably not even want to give up the ability to fear because it gives us or leaves the ability for us to anticipate something. You see, with the accumulation of knowledge, it creates something there that can create a path. And watch this. Here's how this works. We, something happens around us and we sit there and we accumulate something or we've seen it happen to somebody else. And then when that something happens to us, we say, based on my past experience of what I've seen or what I've experienced is the way that my mind starts making the projections of how this could go. And we do it analytically without even realizing that we're doing it. What we do, it was kind of like, well, that went bad here and that went bad here. I can, you know, and all of a sudden we have this anxiety like, oh my goodness, is that going to happen to me too? And so that based on our past 
experiences and the knowledge that we accumulate creates fear, anxiety, worries. And so, so what we, we've done is basically collected a series of what ifs. Well, what if it does go this way? What if it falls off the rails this way? What, here's, here's some real questions. What if I never get married? What if he never proposes? What if, what if that, my relationship goes the same way that my parents go? What if I say yes to this, accepting this job and I end up losing my job? What if I run out of money? What if I, what if I never get to retirement? What if I run out of money in retirement? You know, all these what ifs create this huge thing and cause anxiety and fear. And then all of a sudden we project that and it causes us to lose sleep, causes us to start wondering how things are all going turn out. That's what we call fear, right? So sometimes it's the way that we parent. You guys that are parents in the room, tell me you've never done this before because I've done it before. I said, oh man, wait till your mama gets hold of this. Or maybe you ladies, wait till your dad gets home. Or my favorite one of of parenting is the one I've used. I don't necessarily say it's a parenting success, success, but one of the things I've done is Listen, you go ahead. You keep doing that all you want. There's a place for people like you. It's called prison. <laughs> Very small cell, and you think your room's bad? Let me wait. Leslie, you got to share it, right? Not always a parenting win. But you know what? If we allow our fears to start going and ruling us, and we base everything in our life based on what could happen, what might happen, God does not want those emotions to control us. And so this morning, uh, we are going to be looking at what Jesus says about fear. And uh, what Jesus, he's so, it's so cool. See, a lot of times what we do with this is we have these isolated events and stories, right? So Jesus tells these stories, but we're reading them chapter by chapter by chapter. But in what, and this is probably our pastors, you know, like us that kind of tell you these faults and things is we never seem to really connect the dots a whole lot. We tell you an isolated story, but, but Jesus, the way that he does it, he is so much smarter than any of us. He connects the dots from story to story to story to tell a lesson. And what he might've been saying way back here is connecting to something he's saying over here. Say, listen, and so we're going to drop in several isolated events and we're going to look at the, what he did and what he said about fear. And the 12 apostles, as a part of the jury, uh, he was trying to teach them something about fear. Do you know what Jesus said about fear to the apostles? You know what he said? Ready for this? Fear not. Well, I was insightful. <laughs> fear not. Well, you know, uh, that's a whole lot of things to unpack there, but here's what, hey, he says, stop being afraid. And it was really life altering, but virtually almost impossible to do at time because of the fact that we're human. We have these things and these what ifs that we play, but Jesus said, you know, fear not, don't be afraid. And on occasion, you know, Jesus would kind of pull in his disciples. He goes, listen, now that you've signed on the dotted line and now that I've got you in here, I'm gonna tell you something. He says this in Matthew chapter 10, but we're gonna go backwards in a few minutes in Matthew chapter eight. But in Matthew chapter 10, he says this, he goes, he goes I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. I'm sending you out sheep among wolves. That's what he literally told the disciples. But but don't fear. (laughs) Where was that in the fine print, right? 
He says, I'm going to send you out. And he says, for us, it's a, spe- it's a figure of speech. But these disciples, that they knew how to work the land. They knew anytime you send sheep among wolves, it's a mess. It's gory. It's bloody. It's messy. And Jesus says, listen, now that you've signed on, let me go ahead and tell you, don't be afraid. I'm sending you out. But don't worry. Don't be afraid. And then what he wants, you know, he says some things later. But Jesus says, listen, don't miss this. He goes, I'm sending you out sheep among wolves. And we're going to get to another part that he talks about in a minute. But let me tell you, he is trying to teach the disciples and he's trying to teach us a lesson about fear. So we're going to go, and, and Jesus kind of takes his disciples in Matthew chapter 8. He takes them on a field trip. Now, we know field trips. Like, for me, I love field trips as a kid in, in high school and middle school and elementary school because that means I didn't have to write for the whole day. That was a beautiful thing. It was a way for me to get out of all work, always, all how. I was excited about field trips. Well, this wasn't that kind of field trip, but Jesus says, hey, listen, I'm going to take you on a field trip. So here's what happens. Um, book of Matthew chapter 8, verse uh, 23, he says, um, he says this. He says, he got in the boat with his disciples, and his disciples followed him. They're heading out on the Sea of Galilee. And, and not all the way across, but part of the sea. Then verse 24 says this. Suddenly... A furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. Stop right there for a second. They went out on a lake. And this was, okay, let me just kind of remind you. I know this is Citrus County. Some of you guys have boats. There was no Yamaha 150 behind their boat. There is not any dualies behind it. There's no steering wheel. There was there is no, you know, motor. It was more than likely a boat that was probably maybe 10 to 15 foot canoe. Okay? Imagine going down the Swanee River and a typhoon comes. Okay, that's kind of what it looks like, all right? So we're going down this and this and this storm comes up. Has anybody ever been stuck in the storm on a boat before? Anybody? Anybody? I have. Let me tell you something that's really quickly about this that's, that's very interesting. Laura and I, uh, my wife's not in here this service, but she'll tell you the truth. When we got in, the, the waves were crashing over. The, the, all of a sudden, we got caught in a storm. There was no land. I could not see land. I couldn't see 10 feet in front of us. It was so bad. And, you know, and I am, you know, what is what's the first thing that comes across your mind? I hope I have life insurance, right? <laughs> Laura's there. And I tell you what, you know, you know what the next line says? But Jesus was sleeping. Jesus was sleeping. Now, I've been on a storm. I've been in a boat. I don't know how in the world that Jesus was sleeping. When I was on the boat, my wife says, Steve, are we going to die? And as a perfect comforting husband that I am, I looked over and I looked down at her and I said, probably so. It's not a big boat. Jesus was sleeping. I don't know how he was sleeping. And the disciples in verse 25. And the disciples went and woke him up. Now, can I just stop him? Just just, just one second. Jesus was not catching just a little cat nap. Dude was seriously catching some Z's. If they had to go and shake him and wake him up, dude was out. 
He was out cold, man. He was in the boat. And you can imagine, Jesus, the, the waves are coming up over the boat. He's getting, Jesus is getting wet. There is nothing waking Jesus up. He was, he was in tune with his heavenly father. That's the only thing I could think of. He was having a nice conversation in his sleep. The, and then all of a sudden it says, disciples had to come wake him up. Lord, save us. We're going to drown. <laughs> you think? Jesus goes up in the midst of the chaos and the storms, and he replied, you of little faith, this word, why are you so afraid? Can you imagine the middle of the storm, and Jesus says, you wake up, Jesus, we're going to die, and then Jesus says, why are you so afraid? I mean, to me, like in the moment, like, uh, hello, look around. The storm was surrounded with water, and while this is about the miracle and not just the teaching through the miracles, Jesus is teaching about fear. He got up then, verse, at the end of verse 26, it says, he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Jesus didn't panic. Jesus was not worried. He simply got up. Here's, here's the word. God does not panic. God did not look down on Jesus. Oh my, my son is about to die before he's supposed to die. What am I going to do now? He didn't panic. He didn't get up in a ruckus. He simply calmly looked at the situation and spoke into the chaos. Pause here for a second. Some of you, when a life event and when a storm comes across your life, if you, some of you are wired really tightly, okay? Some of you are wired to look at everything else and you say, and you get real, and, you, and then what happens is you feed off of those other people that are around you, right? And they're like, we're going to die. Oh, yes, we're going to die. And then all of a sudden, you're like doing a chant, like ring around the rosy and saying, we're all going to die. We're all going to die, right? Because we listen to those impacts and influences. And depending on your wiring, you need to understand something. Sometimes if we allow people that are in our lives that are shouting, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to drown, you're going to drown, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. You're, gonna, you're heading for a disaster in the midst of a, of a storm where Jesus is already in your boat. All they're doing is causing negative influence in your life, and we need to let Jesus speak calmness into the storm of your life. And the people that you are around and the people that you let influence you, especially, listen, you have to look in the mirror and you have to know your own personality because if you're one of those people that panics or gets worked up very easily, you have to admit to yourself that you got to say, wait a second, let me calm this down. Let me push this down. Because if you're one of those people who get wired up and wound up and wound up so tightly like a top, then you have to speak to yourself, say, wait, let me remember something in the midst of my chaos in the midst of my storm to calm down. Jesus never panicked. He was God. But the disciples, all, they said they were afraid. God that creates and created time and the God that creates the, the things that, are, that we see and the things that happen to us does not take God by surprise and does not God, cause God to panic. 
Jesus wants them to see this, and perhaps Jesus wants us to see this too, because he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And, and, and you know, the men were just amazed. In verse 27, it says, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Actually, Mark 4, 41, who also kind of records the story, says, and they feared a great fear. They're terrified. Jesus says they get off the boat and they start moving along and Jesus thought it would be a good time to, hey, let's, let's recap what happened there on the boat. Let's, let's kind of, I think it was more like a counseling session with his disciples. He says, hey, let's, let's talk about this for a second. I, w- I want you guys to understand this. He says in verse 28, chapter 10, he says, he goes, hey, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both your soul and body in hell. Can I tease this out just a little bit? What he is saying is, is, hey, listen, guys, there is another you that goes beyond the you, okay? There is a you that is inside of you that, you know, you can, they can take the shell of you, but they can't take the you inside of the you away. There is something that is out there who is God. So if you're going to fear anything, fear God, but there is a you, they can harm your body, but they cannot take your soul. And Jesus believed that. He goes on to say, he's saying, listen, let's review the boat ride. Remember what happened? You were there. You're fearing the wrong thing. You're fearing for your life in the storm. And he says, he goes on verse 29. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. So God cares for the birds. Verse 30 and 31 says, even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many, many sparrows. The bottom line is this, and this is in your notes. God knows and God cares. So when we're among the, the storms of our lives and we're among the things that may cause us to have some fear, when we're among the things that may cause some chaos in our life, cause us anxiety, keep us up at night, Jesus knows God knows and he cares. And Jesus decides then, hey, you know what? It's, it's time to go on another field trip. So Jesus, and it's, this field trip starts out really awesome, right? They go down and Jesus starts preaching. And Jesus, he, starts, he decides to go a little bit longer preaching uh, than, than he realized. Kind of like he's what Jesus and I have in common. And, and so Jesus is preaching. He went over time. And then what happens? They're all hungry, Right? And they're like, so what ends up happening? They say, hey, go get that boy over there. He has some fish, and he has some bread, and he did this amazing miracle. What a field trip, right? And so Jesus like, okay, listen, I'm gonna go dismiss the crowds. You guys go get in the boat and go meet me on the other side. Can you imagine? It says there, this in chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and head to him on the other side and dismiss the crowd. Jesus didn't ask him. He made them, number one. But can you imagine the disciples? Remember, these are not isolated incidents. These are connected incidents. Can you imagine the discussion? (laughs) You want us to go where? Back on that water? Jesus, do you remember what happened last time we went out on that water? And this time, you're not even going to go with us? 
John, you first. He loves you the most. <laughs> right? He made them get on the boat and Jesus did not ask him. He made them get in the boat. Do you remember what the last time? Yeah, I remember what the last time. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. They went out. They must have been rowing for a little while. Again, they didn't have a Yamaha motor. They're rowing. And it says this. Jesus, it says this. The disciples were walking uh, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Second time, they get a second chance to learn this lesson. Here he goes. First time, the boat fail. Second time, here you go, guys. You got another opportunity to success right here. And it says, they saw him walking on the lake and they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Here's your point. Even where there's something, when there's something to be afraid of, you don't have to fear. Let fear be the boss of you. Yeah, was, is there something to be afraid of? Sure. But once again, here's the lesson. It didn't stick. It didn't stick. Up until the very end, it didn't even stick. Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to send you out. You, you have another chance to redeem yourself. You've already seen, you've just seen this incredible miracle. Go out on the boat. It didn't stick. Story kind of goes on like this. At the end of Jesus' ministry, he's on the way to Jerusalem. And, he's, and they're going with him. And they have just raised Lazarus from the dead. They're thinking that this is the moment they've been waiting for. They welcome the crowds. They're singing and shouting, Hosanna. It turns political and ends up, he's going to end up being the king. He hangs around for over a week. They have a Passover meal. Jesus is spending time with them. And he says, hey, I'm establishing a new covenant between God and man. This is a movement. I'm giving you a new command. And later that night... Jesus was arrested. And what did they do? Stand by your man. Nope. What did they do? They took off. Why? They're afraid. Failed it a third time. Another test, another lesson, opportunity. They panicked, they hid, they lied, they denied. They watched it all unfold. They knew, you know, when Jesus was dead, they said, you know what? It's over. Everything, it is over. Now, we know the end of the story, but in the moment, in this isolated moment, as the story is unfolding, as Jesus has been teaching, do not fear, fear not, do not be afraid, don't be terrified, I'm with you, I'm right here in the boat, I'm right here outside the boat, I'm with you, hey, I'm sending you out to be sheep among wolves, but don't worry, God cares for you. He doesn't, he care for the sparrows, he cares for the sparrow, he cares for the hair on your head, he cares all these things. He says, and they thought, they knew, and they were excited. And one event changed their mind. And then here's what ended up happening, because this is what fear does. They started projecting the future. Well, if they killed him, they're surely going to come after us next. We've been seen around him forever. I mean, we were there from the very beginning when he called us out, when we were just fishermen, they called us out and all of a sudden the what ifs coming through their minds and what if this, well, they might be coming for us next. And next thing you know, they're saying, we got to get out of here. We got to hide. We, there, there's no way we can survive this one. And here's the thing, y'all, this is what ends up happening. One event, 
one thing, everything that we know about Jesus, everything we learned about Jesus and everything that we've ever thought about Jesus in one event, we can identify with this. We can change our mind and forget everything we learned and we start fearing, we have anxiety and we start thinking and we get in our trapped in our own minds and then all of a sudden, all those things that we are so worried about, the irrational thoughts, stinking thinking is what you like to call it in our house. What if it doesn't turn out the way that I thought it was gonna turn out? What if it doesn't go the way that I wanted it to go? What if I don't get that promotion? What if, I don't, what if this doesn't happen? Am I gonna have a house? Am I gonna have a car? If, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if he doesn't say yes? What if she doesn't say yes? What if, what if things fall apart? What if, what if this one thing defines and does, everything in my life and everything that I believed is gone and everything is gone? What if my marriage doesn't work? What if my marriage is falling apart? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And all of a sudden, everything we know with one event, we forget everything of the lessons learned. Isn't that true? But one day, they peered into an empty tomb. And they met and saw their living friend were back in business. The resurrection punctuated everything. He rose from the dead and it made perfect sense. Everything that Jesus had to say about fear, the resurrection uh, is about Easter for us, but the resurrection was everything for them. They finally got the lesson about fear, about the boat ride, about the sparrow, about the hairs on our head, about the other things that were going on and about everything else. Everything all of a sudden, oh, wait, hang on a second. Wait a second. They can kill my body, but they can't take the me beyond the me. Oh, wait, the resurrection punctuated that they can kill me, but they can't take me. They can do something to me, but they cannot take who I am or whose I am. They can take all this away, but at the end of the day, I know who my God is. And, he's, and at the end of the day, 11 of the 12 disciples were executed and mar and, or martyred. The only one who wasn't was John. And because they finally got it, the lesson finally stuck about the boat, about the sparrow. You can kill my body, but you cannot take my soul. Fear not is what changed the world. Fear not is, what is a permanent emotion, but it's not something that we're just immune to. It's, you know, Peter says it, the one who says he failed at both boat rides, denied Jesus after the Passover meal, panicked and hid after his death, death would dictate a letter to us in 1 Peter 5, 7. says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Peter finally got it. Do you see Peter finally got it? Transfer all your fears, all your cares, because he knows fear can paralyze and can make us statues. It can control us if we allow it to. But here's the, here's the key. If we allow fear to dictate everything that we do, we'll never do nothing. That's a double negative. I know it's bad English. If we allow fear to dictate everything, 
you will be no good moving forward. We can't operate that way. See, that's when fear becomes bad. That's when fear and our anxiety becomes the thing that controls us when we say, well, I'm just not going to do anything. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to build relationships. I'm going to be a loner. I'm going to go live as an Eskimo on Antarctica. Because then I have to be connected to anything. That's fear. And we haven't talked about a whole lot of things, but can we be honest? Some of you... In the room, one of your greatest fears is fear of failure. Fear of failing because of something maybe you're trying not to disappoint somebody. You're trying to make sure you live up to the expectations of others. You're trying not to mess up. And by the way, the more you try not to be like somebody, the more you'll end up trying to, you'll actually be like that somebody. The more we try to be like Christ, the more we become more like him. We don't have to worry about everybody else. But some of you, it's the fear that of things aren't going to get better. Some of you guys, the fear that you'll never get married, fear of never having kids. Some of you guys, the fear of disappointing somebody very important in your life. That fear is not of God. And that fear is the one that will paralyze and control everything you do. Psalms 23, it says this. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they come from me. But you know what? In verse 6, this is the part, this is the part that we glaze over, and this is the part that I want to look at right here, because this extenuates, punctuates, and, and screams this out loud for what, what we just talked about. Here it is. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And here it is. Ready? Here's the kicker. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So no thing that comes against me, you can take my body, you can take my stuff, you can take my relationship, you can take it all, but you can't take the me behind the me because the one day I'm going to live with Jesus and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. Take it. Take it all. You can take everything I have. The relationships, you can burn them to the ground, but you can't take the me behind the me because I don't even belong to me. I belong to him. Church, if we would just understand this, it'll change everything. You can take, you can harm my body, but you cannot take my soul. If we would grasp that, we will be able to live a life freer than anybody else. If we just hold on to that, it'll change everything. I promise you it'll change everything. Normally, normally we'd have what we call an invitation. It's not really an invitation time. To, I, I want to call today a response time. Responding to God's word. And I want you to sing. We're going to stand in a second and we're going to sing as a declaration of God's word. 
and a declaration that what we just heard, that he is the God who saves. He is the God that nobody can take this from me. He will run after me. He will chase after me. He will love me unconditionally. And that is the hope that we want to have today. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to stand and we're just sing just a declaration of who God is. God, I love you. I praise you. I thank you that you are the God who saves and you're the God who rescues me and that one day I'm going to live with you forever and ever. God, as we sing this song as our response to you, Father, may your name and your name be glorified and always sing as we sing our worship to you. Let's stand, church. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. out of here, may we cling to your promise and your hope that we are yours. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Have a good day.